Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I will be reviewing a ballet. Well, not the ballet you will think about. It is a cryptocurrency wallet. I get lots of queries about cryptocurrency. I guess I'm turning into somewhat of an expert about this stuff. And so people start sending me wallets to try out and test. And that's what I did with this particular wallet. It's kind of cool. And so you'll like to actually watch it on YouTube. But if you don't, you can certainly get a lot just from listening to it on this podcast. And by the way, if you're hearing those birds in the background, that are birds from Senegal, because that's where I'm recording this. I've got several cool episodes lined up. I've got one about Empower, which is a blockchain company trying to help solve the housing crisis in Africa. I also interview Gary Arndt in a future episode and several other things. And thank you again to my patrons at patreon.com slash ftapon for making this show possible. In this episode, I'm going to be reviewing the Ballet Wallet. It is a cold storage wallet for your cryptocurrency, not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency in general, 70 coins in here. It doesn't require any electricity. It's designed primarily for people who are relatively new or technophobic. So if that sounds like somebody you know, then check this out. It's pretty cool. I'm going to go over the pros and the cons of this wallet. No wallet is perfect. All wallets have trade-offs. I'm going to be comparing it to the Open Dime, which is made by CoinKite. If you want to see that review, it's in the upper right-hand corner up there. Um, and I'll also briefly mention Cold Card as well as the Ledger products, which are traditional hardware wallets. Those require electricity to work. This doesn't. Let's start off with doing an unboxing, and then I'm going to go into the pros and cons. So I got a packet of three. Full disclosure, got them for free um, to do a review. And I will, you'll see it comes in a nice little box. And there is the QR code that you can use to download the app, either on Android or iOS. They come in different flavors where the default, uh, your primary cryptocurrency is listed here. You can get it so that it's Ethereum versus Bitcoin. I think they also have Litecoin and a, and a handful of other options. But don't worry. Just because yours says Bitcoin doesn't mean that you cannot get the other 70 plus cryptocurrencies that are listed here. So right off the bat, one negative for those who like Cardano or ADA or Polkadot, Dot, those cryptocurrencies are not compatible with this particular wallet. From my understanding, it has to do something with the BIP38 technology that this is using as opposed to BIP39. So the way the addresses are made and used is different for the Cardano and Polkadot ecosystems versus the 70 plus cryptocurrencies that this has. This is ready to use right off the bat. So let's go ahead and open this up. Check it out. You just pull right here. And voila, there it is. Now, one thing that's cool is that the public address is listed right there on the front for all to see. And why is that interesting? Well, first of all, you can send me money if you send it to that public address. <laughs> but second of all, let's say you have somebody, a niece, an aunt, 
somebody who you want to onboard onto cryptocurrency, somebody who's skeptical. Maybe you want to give a graduation gift or a birthday present or something like that. And you just want to put on like $100 worth of cryptocurrency on here and you want to preload it so that when you give it, it's not empty because obviously it's going to be empty when you, when you buy it. And at the same time, you don't want to reveal the private key and you want to get into it. Well, here, by looking at this address, you can see, well, this is where you would need to send the cryptocurrency to, to that, bit, you know, to that Bitcoin address. So you preload it. Now, granted, this part is, is gone, but you just give it to them like that. It's sealed still, and they already have their $100 or $1,000 or however, however much money you want to load into this. They have a nice little get started guide in multiple languages. And then behind this, you have a plastic case to put it in. It goes into all the details on how to understand this thing. Again, this is made for relatively newbies. And also you can see here, you get a personal message by Bobby Lee, the founder and CEO. Bobby Lee was involved in Bitcoin from the early stages. And so he's got a really good brand name in the industry in the sense that he has built up his reputation. He's a multimillionaire and he doesn't need any more money. So for some people who are thinking, oh, this is Bobby Lee's way to get more money or something like that. No, he just wants to evangelize and help Bitcoin get disseminated. And I think the fact is so many people are intimidated by the use of hardware wallets like this. It's ideal for people who are technophobic, people who just look at these hardware wallets and like, I could never, ever teach my grandmother how to use that. That's crazy. And even Open Dime, which is relatively simple it's still a bit complex for a lot of people so that's what this thing is designed for part two you want to take it out this thing wow solid as they come this is i mean thicker and stronger than any credit card i've ever seen before i mean it's definitely solid strong metal here okay so let's take a closer look at this now that we've pulled it out of the the box the public key in other words, where you send your Bitcoin or your cryptocurrency is going to be right up front, your Bitcoin in this case, because it's it's primarily, it's your main, it's your main thing here. When I peel off this sticker, it will reveal my two-part private key, if you will. This is the encrypted private key as you pull it off. And then underneath there is your passphrase. So when you scratch this off, just like you're scratching off a lottery ticket, you're going to get your passphrase. So with your encrypted key, which is underneath this sticker, and your passphrase, you combine those two things together, and that gives you your private key. In other words, the way to access move your, your cryptocurrencies allows you to sign your, your cryptocurrency transactions. So you need both of those. If you use a UV light, this Bitcoin will illuminate. So that's another way to make sure that it's authentic. You can write a memo on the back if you want. You could say, this is the one for you know my account A or my grandmother, or maybe because some people have multiple wallets. Some people are enthusiasts. <clears throat> and by the way, they make this in a gold version. They have some premium versions. And I, I asked one of the employees at Ballet Wallet, and I asked him, <clears throat> Is there anything special about getting the gold version? He says, no, it's just aesthetics. One thing that you get a bigger case for this. So this case is just for additional protection. Uh, 
but it's not going to, again, stop a fire. So how do you answer the critics who are saying, well, it's not going to survive a fire? True, it's not going to survive a fire. So the solution is quite simple. You put this in a fireproof case. If that's what you want to do, if you're worried about that issue, there are fireproof envelopes. You can buy them on Amazon. They're not that expensive. And you can put this in a fireproof envelope and that should be good enough. If you're, if you're really paranoid, you can put in a fireproof envelope inside a fireproof safe or do something like that. If you get a flooding, it's going to survive a flooding. If you get a tornado, it's going to survive a tornado. The only thing it will not really easily survive is a nuclear bomb blast or a fire. Um, but at least you can get a fireproof case for that. Now I'm going to peel the bad boy off. Let's see. Wow, it says you won the lottery. <laughs> okay, when you peel it off, you should see kind of, um, I'm not showing you, obviously, the private key. You should see some sort of honeycomb thing on, on the backside of the sticker so that it shows that, again, it's not been pulled off before. And what you're going to see behind it is another QR code as well as a string of digits, about 64 digits, I believe it is. Then you're going to scratch off the passphrase, just scratching it off like so, like you would scratch off a lottery ticket. And that's going to reveal a 16-digit code. So you combine that roughly 60-something characters of the private key along with the passphrase. Again, a newbie doesn't have to worry about this. The reason I'm telling you all this is that this is a way that you can potentially back this up because one of the critics will say, well, there's no seed phrase. There's no 24 word seed phrase, which is normally what you get with, let's say a ledger or a cold card and, and, and treasure and all those guys, they have a 24 word seed phrase. So in case your hardware wallet dies, you have a way to recover your funds. This doesn't have a 24 word seed phrase. So how do you get around that issue? Well, the way you get around it is that you could, if you want, it's optional and probably most people don't do it, but I would do it is I would write down that private key and the passphrase and put it down somewhere safe and secure, just like a 24-word seed phrase. And then you need a special software, which I'll link down the, the show link on the show notes bef below. And that special software, a BIP38 software, will marry the two, the 38, uh, the, the, the two different private keys in order to reconstruct your private key. It's very not simple, super simple to do, but at least you will not lose your funds if you lose this or it gets stolen or burns or whatever. Now, obviously, if somebody does steal this, then they have your funds. And so that's important to understand. There's no password. Once somebody actually physically has control of this, whoever has it has control of your funds. So that's quite similar to the open dime. The open dime, whoever has the open dime is the person who gets to control the key. Just like losing a wallet full of money, if it's cash, it's gone. Um, it's different than this, which has some sort of pin or something like that that, need, that you need to access. There is no pin for this. So that's the trade-off that you're making because that way you're, there's no pin to forget and you just have to protect this. Another potential downside for privacy freaks is that you only have one address per cryptocurrency to use. So for example, Bitcoin, in this case, you'll only have one address that you use to send money and to send out. So for those who like to create new addresses for every single time they receive a cryptocurrency, that is one thing that you will not be able to do here. It is easier to send money 
than let's say open dime or anything else the reason it's easier is that all you got to do is use your smartphone to scan this and they'll open up an app that allow you to then send and receive cryptocurrency quite easily another thing that i like about this is that you are able to deal with the inheritance issue quite easily so one of the things i've frequently advocated about is that the problem with hardware wallets is that hardware wallets have a level of complexity that somebody who's going to inherit your wealth after you die may not be able to know about. They may not even understand what this is. They may, I mean, they may look at a ledger and think it's just a USB stick and they'll probably stick it into a computer somehow and connect it. And they'll say, huh, there's nothing in here. I guess it's useless and I'll throw it away. And they'll never realize that you had some stash of cryptocurrency in there. And, and even if you write out instructions, they may not be able to follow it, etc. The nice thing about this, the, ball, the ballet wallet, is that it's just so simple to use compared to anything else out there for any other type of wallet. And it's completely in cold storage. There's no moving parts. There's no electricity that you need. So for people, for example, when I traveled all over in Africa, this is a great way for a lot of Africans to store their stuff because once they, they have, a lot of Africans have smartphones nowadays and so they can scan it and, and send and receive and they have, they just have to take care of this little treasure of theirs but they don't need electricity in order to uh, use it obviously you need electricity to send and receive from your smartphone so you need to charge up your smartphone every once in a while but it is quite simple from a technology perspective on how to use that how much money should you store in this thing and that obviously there's no one easy answer one thing that's interesting i talked to one of the employees at ballet wallet and he told me that they, since they have the public address of every one of the things that they ship, they can actually see how much total cryptocurrency is being held in ballet wallets. And the total is currently $250 million in all the ballet wallets strewn out all over, all over the world. So it's def they're definitely being used and adopted, and it's a great way to store it. One of the major concerns about the ballet wallet is how is that private key generated? For a lot of people, that is right there a deal killer. They're like, what? What? You're saying to me that they printed the private key out there? Then, then, then everybody could know. They could steal my coins at any time. Well, relax, relax. Ultimately, and this is something that people don't think about too much, no, even if you're using something as rock solid as the cold card, or the ledger, or the treasure, or the keep key, or any of these other hardware wallets. If you really, really stop and think about it, you need to trust them to some extent. No, 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 it's trustless. Stop. You actually need to trust every single hardware wallet or every single wallet out there to some extent. Now, why do I say that? In theory, cold card, as robust and as much as I like them, they could put in some sort of malicious code in there to somehow share your private key somehow through the programming behind there. Same thing with Ledger. Ledger could, they say that they randomly generate your 24-word seed phrase. Well, how do you know it's random? It's sometimes hard. Now, I know with cold card, for example, they let you roll a bunch of dice. But what if the whole thing is rigged from the beginning? Well, 
then all those random dice rolls won't do you any good. I'm being a bit tough here just to make a point that ultimately you have to trust the technology of Ledger and their integrity that they have really checked it. You have to trust those who have audited the code. You have to trust somebody. I mean, I know that Bitcoiners and all sorts of cryptocurrency people, it's trustless, it's trustless, and you know, da, 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 da. Well, sorry, guys, to burst your bubble, but we all have to have some level of trust. Bobby Lee worked with some of the early real coins that that people made, these physical representations of Bitcoin, and they did print these things. So they have a a way to, they've had time-tested technology to do this. How did they do it? I'll go over a little bit of the specifics, try to summarize it briefly, but they have two different operations, one in the United States, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the other one is in Shanghai, in China. And they each generate one part of the private key. So one generates the encrypted private key and the other does the 16-digit passphrase. So they don't know about each other and they both, after they've generated them and it gets co- and, it, and it creates the private key, they both delete it on both ends. Now you might say, well, how do we know they delete it? Again, it goes back to trust. How do you know that Ledger is doing all the things that they say they do? They, they are doing, that, that their Ledger Live software isn't somehow reading the data that's inside your Ledger. You always have to, at some point, trust the company. And so, in my case, the fact that it is created by uh, Bobby Lee, which I think he's, he's got his reputation on the line, he's not going to create a scammy thing. This is a robust solution so how much money should you store on this? It's hard to say. I mean, you could store a billion dollars of Bitcoin in this thing if you really want to and just have literally a billion dollars lying around here and anybody who gets control of this gets a billion dollars. Some other people have other strategies. Sometimes they have maybe 10 of these and they put $10,000 in each one, for example, or $1,000 in each one. Everybody's got their threshold of how much, but the point is this is a way to onboard newbies. This is a way to get people who are kind of skeptical or don't know much or technophobic. You can get them on board and and store all the cryptocurrencies they want. Ultimately, they might store it all. Like I said, there's a great inheritance solution to this. When you die, they just get this, no passwords, nothing to remember. Boom, they got your money. It's simple to inherit. So maybe you want to store millions millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency in there, and that's fine. I'm going to put in the show notes below, I'm going to put a link to the differences between BIP38 and BIP39 so that you understand why they use BIP38 technology in order to do this. Do you have to use their app? Kind of. It's kind of like Ledger Live. Uh, Ledger Live. The Ledger comes with its own app. It is a lot more convenient to use their own app. Do you absolutely have to use it? No. So, for example, if they go out of business completely. Will your funds be locked in here forever? You can't be able to get them out? No. As I'm, I'll put a link down below, you can actually use these tools that use the private key, the, the encrypted private key with a passphrase and generate your own private key. You can do it all using open source wallets out there. So it is possible to do it. It's just a bit inconvenient. Again, this is made for people who want a simple, clean, quick solution to storing their cryptocurrency offline in cold storage so that it cannot be hacked. It has, in the end, the same level of security as any 
paper wallet or any other way of, of storing cryptocurrency because you can't hack it. And now those who are worried about quantum computing, well, if you're worried about it, it's going to be the same worry about everything. Let's do a quick comparison with the Open Dime. The Open Dime, uh, first of all, requires a bit of electricity. You got to plug it into a computer. One of the downsides of Open Dime is that it's a bit more tricky to use than using a smartphone app to do this. Open Dime only accepts Bitcoin versus this receives over 70 different cryptocurrencies. Let's summarize who's it for. It's for somebody who is relatively new to cryptocurrency, somebody who doesn't want to deal with all the hassles of a hardware wallet, somebody who might not have a ton of cryptocurrencies, not you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cryptocurrency. This could be a really good solution. It's a way to onboard somebody new. It's a way to send and receive different cryptocurrencies quite easily. Don't get me wrong, I still love the Open Dime, and I'm still a big fan of the hardware wallets. You want to use the hardware wallets. By the way, if you want to see a review of that, go in the upper right-hand corner to see my comparison with the Ledger and the Cold Card wallet. I review it over there. And if you want to see a review of the Open Dime, you go up to the upper right-hand corner, and you can see that review as well. Let's just finish off with the price comparison. Open Dime costs about $17 or so in a pack of three. This costs about twice as much, I think about $35 for one card. Uh, you can again buy it for a pack of three and get a, get a discount. The cold card is, over, the ledger is about $70 for the Nano S. And then you're going to spend about $120. I could be wrong about the price, but roughly for the open dime. So different price points. That's why the $35 price point is reachable for somebody who wants to just buy a few hundred dollars worth of cryptocurrency or a few thousand dollars worth of cryptocurrency. But once you're starting to talk about tens of thousands or hundreds, certainly hundreds of thousands of dollars, then you might want to go with a hardware wallet. As you can see, I have them all. So there's no reason why you can't have multiple wallets. You can have a, a wallet on your phone. You can have a wallet on your PC. I'm not exactly a fan of having too many wallets. I talked to somebody who had about seven different of these wallets. I'm like, how do you keep track of them all? <laughs> that could be a real headache. So everybody's got their limits and how to do these things. But it's nice to have this as an option. I put a link down below to order one of these things if you want. And give me a thumbs up. Subscribe to this channel if you like the content. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash FTAPON. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.